Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Katie. And I'm Kate. And this is Premeditated. We're trying this new thing where we like harmonize premeditated. Yeah. It sounded really good that time. Oh, my God. Even though we were the same key. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I do not know what harmonize means. (laughs) Kate's like, God, you idiot. That's not what harmonize is. Um, As a vocalist, (laughs) I would like to tell you... I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, thanks for coming back. It's great to be back in the uh the old pod studio downstairs <laughs> on a normal, normal time. We've had to like record at weird times the past couple weeks, but here we are, Monday night. The old pod basement. The old pod basement. Oh well, we hope you guys have had a good week. Uh let's see, what did we do this week? I was in Reno for a, a oh, conference. That oh, was pretty no. fun. Yeah. Pew, Reno just new boot goofing. Pew, just pew. new boot goofing. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to be a deputy? <laughs> yeah. Who uh, wants to be a <laughs> uh, so that was fun. And, and she saw Terry on roller yeah. skating. Exactly. <laughs> I do love that he's from Minnesota, you know that. Nick yes, Swarson. I know Nick Swarson. I love that guy yeah he's the he's the best man but oh, also super important thing that we have to share what who, who commented on her josh mankowitz yes oh my god you guys big news here big so, news last week you know kate we talked about kate's hilarious instagram post if you're not following us on instagram please do premeditated podcast but kate made a hilarious post about mankey's hankies and josh mankowitz <laughs> And we got a comment from somebody whose username is like Josh Mank or something. Yeah. Honestly, Kate and I both saw it and we're like, that guy's not. Uh, like, He's so not real. What a weird thing to pretend to be Josh Mankowitz. Yeah. So we both like put it off for like three days. And then like three days later, Kate was in a mood to like peruse <laughs> our Instagram <laughs> And she does, and it's literally Josh Mankowitz. It's literally Josh Mankowitz. Like he's, it's, it's like Dateline, Andrea Canning, all these people, like my friend calls them checks. Yeah. Like, all these uh, official yeah. people verified. Yeah, verified. Uh people follow him. And, it's literally him. And he used to be an uh news anchor in LA. Yep. And all these LA news anchors Kate went deep. him. Kate I went, went deep. I I dove deep. I dove deep. But it was for sure him. And so we are flattered and also like a little fangirling over here. So I know. I mean, like I told everyone that I I met like when I was at the convention that day. I was like, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? It's our street cred. It really is. Well, you know, the you gave me some some guy who was at your convention and you you gave me his name. Oh yeah. Okay. And within a matter of you were like, I tried to find him online, but I couldn't. And then within a matter of seconds, I like knew who his family was and what his mom did for a living. Holy crap. Five minutes too. She's like, there's a picture of him. I know all this stuff. I'm like, she's Lisa. And I'm not even on any social media besides our Instagram account and know. LinkedIn. But I know how to find shit. <laughs> yeah, that's how I stock ex boyfriends. And it's I it's a would good skill to have for I sure. I can uh, happily report that they are all fat and <laughs> in not very well paying careers. <laughs> You're so. like high five. Yeah, <laughs> like like I ruined your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it> all there. <laughs> Oh man! So Josh Banquets, if you're listening, we love you and are so flattered that you commented. Seriously, on I don't know Instagram. why everyone is so obsessed with Keith Morrison. Josh Bankowitz is where it's at. Like his voice alone, yeah. is oh my god! Like there's yeah. just nothing like the like yeah. the Josh Bankowitz, which I'm new to this whole Instagram thing because I like I told you, 
I looked at your running Instagram yeah. account and I was like, and this was after I like felt all cool and warm and fuzzy because I was like, like we, I check it every famous. day to see if our followers have gotten to be more. This is I have a lot of time on my hands. And uh I just cleaned my basement and not much is left to do. And 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 so I'm like, oh wow, we're already at 63 people. And then I look at your I look at your running account and it's like Katie has 1,500 followers, and I'm like, wah, wah. Like, we're, we're getting there. We're going to surpass it. <laughs> yes. Send it to your friends. Yeah, Tell everyone. We're begging because you. It literally affects my mood. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make yeah. me happy. Oh, man. Huh. Well, we should probably jump in because we've been chatting a lot. The first episode, we're like, our thing is we're not going to be chatty chit at chat. all. No, we're going to cut out the chit chat. No, half the fun is the chit chat. <laughs> and I have also gotten the feedback. That people want more chit chat. Yeah. So here's chit chat. Here's a chit chat. Oh man! Oh, All man. right, All Kate's right. got a doozy for us this week. I'm sure. I mm-hmm. don't know anything about it. So well, you can thank your mom. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm so excited to hear about this yeah. one. Yeah, I was I was wavering, and then I was like, mm, I think it might go for this, and yeah. I'll tell you the reason Kay. why. Okay. Not just because Miss Julie said you should do this. Yeah. I want to preface this by saying I know that we said for this podcast we were going to do kind of obscure cases that not everyone's familiar with and not the same old, same old. And I was not completely familiar with this one. Yeah, I for sure was. As I researched online, it is like on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the most famous, like Bundy. It's about a five. Okay. So I'm sorry if you've already heard of this guy. You but, might be, if especially if you're from Nebraska, I'm sure, or that's because it's yeah. Nebraska and, uh, and yeah. What other state was it? Wyoming. So it's Nebraska and Wyoming. Yeah. And so if you're from those two states, you probably know it would be like yeah, being or, yeah, being, yeah, just the Great Plains in general, right? right? It was yeah. So Charles Starkweather, otherwise known as Charles Mad Dog Starkweather, Mad Dog, Mad Dog. <laughs> it's like um, a, it sounds like a disease. It. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, mad cow. it's called rabies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, a mad dog is rabid. Okay? Yeah. Katie, do Let's we not need to, make a joke of this. Do we need to have a talk again yeah. about why we don't let raccoons in our house? <laughs> like, it's, but they're so cute. I know. Damn it. They stole all my pears. All right, so let's just get started. Yeah, let's okay. get, let's jump in. So I'll set the scene first, as okay. I do. Yep. So this takes place in Nebraska, uh, specifically Lincoln, Nebraska. Like you said, your mom's birth state. Correct. Another reason I chose this case is because my mom's birth state is Wyoming. Oh, the mom pod. It's like the pod. The the joint of the mothers. (laughs) So Bobby Joy and Julie. This one's for you. This one's for you. (laughs) Well, you know what they say, Nebraska. Yeah. It's not for everyone. And they also literally yeah, that is the state motto. Yes. Oh my god. It was it was a campaign they did a couple years ago, which was like, huh. I mean, it worked because everyone was talking about it. Not <laughs> like I mean, it's true. So Lincoln and Omaha are very close together, and they're northeastern Nebraska. Okay, I'm thinking of Omaha. There's a couple food chains, one of which is called Frenchies. <gasps> they make these things called cheese Frenchies, and honest to God. <gasps> They're what like is it? they're like deep fried grilled cheese sandwiches, essentially. Good lord, they're so good. When we like, went to Omaha um, for my uncle Bob's funeral, we did like a tasting of all. We went to get cheese Frenchies because my mom like grew up on because she grew up in Omaha, grew up eating cheese Frenchies. And then we went and got to this place called Runza Hut that has Runzas, and they're like a they're like a meat pie, like almost like a pasty. Oh, 
meat pies and deep fried grilled cheese sandwiches. Can't go wrong. No, my uncle Don used to make us Nebraska. It's not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Reiterate, it's it, not. It's for not for everyone. nutritionists or vegans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't want none yeah. of your, your yeah. bullshit mind games here. Yeah. There's oh, there's no Weight Watchers yeah. in Nebraska. No, they don't believe in that. <laughs> or cross. That is, yeah. <laughs> it's no. called farm work, all right? Get your hands Fucking dirty and shut up. Bitters. Yeah. yeah. If you wanna if you wanna throw some tires, yeah. I got some work for yeah, exactly. you. God. Yeah. So my mom grew up in western Wyoming. So our moms were like two states away from each other, basically. Yeah. The population, this really surprised me. The population in 1950, when this all took place, was just over 100,000. Oh, okay. That's a lot of people. It was very big. Yeah. My mom liked, I mean, my mom talks about Omaha and like Lincoln, that my, she went to college in Lincoln. And I mean, it seemed like a big city. Yeah. So Lincoln was 100,000 people in 1950. And Charles Starkweather was born in Lincoln in 1938 okay charles was almost the middle child of seven children he was the son of working class parents the family was well respected and valued for their honest hard work ethic and upstanding morals okay so a good family i mean a well-known well-regarded family but while the community uh recognized that this was a good family and the kids were good kids all of the community's goodwill couldn't protect Charles in school. He was bullied pretty severely. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I was... fucking hate bullies. Like, yeah. Oh, God. I, I, God. yeah. Yeah. I do too. I can't. I, that's like my biggest fear of sending my son to school is like, I can't. Pr- and I know that that's like a thing, like, but not being able to protect him around, but he's very sensitive. And so I know oh. he's like, but I will, you just tell me oh. who bullies him and I will. I, one thing I will, like, my dad, and my mom too, but like, my, like growing up, I always knew that if I told my parents that I was being picked on, they would end that shit mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. So Charles was bullied. He was born with this disease that's called genu verum. It's a disease that causes your legs to turn out awkwardly at the knees. Oh, so it's like bow legged. Is that what it is? Also well, called bow leggedness, bandiness, bandy leg. And tibia vera. Anyway, so he was bullied for that. Oh. Uh, which now that you say it's bow leggedness, I'm like, that's such a dumb fucking thing to bully oh my someone God. about. The kids are so stupid. Kids yeah. are fucking worse. So he was bullied. He was nearsighted, but he was never diagnosed, and he also had a speech impediment. Oh, honey. so I think all of that combined. Oh. And also, he was—you can tell in pictures—like he was very short in stature. Okay, so he was tormented through elementary school and into middle school. Until the tables turn. Oh, God. I mean, honestly, right now I'm rooting for for, uh, for Charles. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have the Mad Dog label yet. Yeah. But you can see later on how this might have driven him. Oh, for sure. Don't bully. No. <laughs> if only for the fact that you're creating the future killer. Okay. Do you remember in Billy Madison when he, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's, he's like calling, he calls people that he like was a bully to yeah. when he was in like school. And he contacts one guy and the guy pretends he's like, yeah. oh, I didn't even. Isn't it Steve Buscemi? He's, he's, putting, he's putting on lipstick. <laughs> he crosses his crosses off, him off his, like, the kill list. list. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's what you're doing when you bully people. So stop it. Yeah. Bullies, bullies are. Bullies like, suck. They're just shit stains. Yeah. On the pants of America. I digress. I digress. <laughs> so. Pretty soon, Charles discovered, this is in middle school, that he liked gym class. Oh, yeah. strange. Good for him. 
that just goes to show you my knock, my knock knee friends. You can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever direction your legs bend. <laughs> Inward, outward. You can do it. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that you can do it. He channeled his rage into this outlet that he found uh, basically until it spilled over, um, which it was bound to if you get bullied that much. So, um, and yeah, like I said, he, as a teenager, he was only five foot three and that is pretty short. Yeah. yeah. But he was brawny. He went from one of the most well-behaved kids in school to a bully. Shoot. Which is often the case. Yeah. Bullies, people that are bullied tend to become bullies because if they know violence, they know that power comes from being, yeah, it's just a cycle of violence. And he would beat up anyone who teased him as well as any poor soul who he happened to not like. Shoot. Which I can understand the him beating up kids that bullied him. Honestly, I'm not one for violence, but I mean, one of his friends told a reporter, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you, but he had this other side. He could be mean as hell and cruel. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm torn because I like thus far. Yeah. I'm torn. Because it sounds like he was just fed up. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, like the mean side of him was due to people being cute bags of dicks to him. Yeah. And so, like... <laughs> being huge douche. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, so, I mean, like, if his mean side was to bullies, I'm like, hey, all the power to you. Yeah. But it sounds... I mean, obviously, that's not where this is going because he turns into a killer, so... So, around this same time, around when he was in middle school, he saw, Charles saw Rebel Without a Cause with okay. James Dean. Oh, okay. So, James Dean's persona in the movie perfectly aligned with Charles' feelings, mm. the victim of brutal bullying. Okay, so he saw himself in yeah. James Dean. because James Dean was, his persona in that movie was, he, he got bullied. Oh, okay. Um, he began to dress like the actor mm. and style his hair like him. And he quickly adopted his rebellious personality. He, he just identified with him. Got it. In 1956, Charles was 18 and he was working at the Western Union newspaper warehouse, which was a good job. Yeah. Um, I worked at a newspaper and the warehouse workers got paid more than we did. Wow. But he had dropped out of high school and he only took the job at the warehouse because it was close to the school of a girl he liked, Carol Ann Fugit. Okay. I could not find anything on the early life of Carol Ann. Okay. I couldn't find like no biography at all. Um, and like we talked about, Kate can go deep. I can go her, deep. So she can go deep. <laughs> so just short of microfilm, I could not find <laughs> anything on this, on this girl. Okay. Before, so, before they met, she was 13. <gasps> Jesus Christ. So he's 18. God. She's 13. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, even things about then, to get weird. Things about to get illegal. <laughs> um, so they met through Carol's sister, Barbara, who was dating uh, Starkweather's friend, Bob Von Bush, which I think that is a name. Bob Von Bush. Also, if your older sister was dating his friend, like, wouldn't you think the older sister would be like, you're only 13. Like, you're yeah. not dating this guy, but she didn't. Evidently. Those times were different. I don't, I don't, I'm not justifying it. I'm just like trying to understand it. No, Seems I bet weird. hindsight came back to bite the yeah, sister in the end. Right. As she was only 13, Carol attended uh, Whittier Junior High School, but that didn't stop Charles from visiting her every single day. Gross. And they were basically inseparable and it put, it definitely put a strain on Charles work and home life because he 
like chose her over everything. Hmm. And his boss said he was a terrible employee. He often had to be told things repeatedly and he frequently cut out early to see Carol. A driving lesson for Carol uh, that that was taught by Charles, like he was trying to teach her how to drive. And she ended up crashing his 1949 Ford into another vehicle. The car was actually registered to his father. So he had to pay the fees. And Charles disagreed with his father on that. He didn't see the problem with his and Carol's relationship. But his dad was like, dude, this is where it's, this is where it's going. Like you crashed a car and you're losing a job. And like this, this clearly isn't the way to go. Um, Eventually this discord between him and his father uh, led to Charles' father banishing him from the house and him being fired from the warehouse. Okay. So he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a place to live. He's completely dependent on this girl, this like child of 13. But he, right side, he quickly found another job as a trash collector. As he traveled the city streets making minimum wage, he witnessed firsthand, and this is according to him, the disparities between the wealthy and the poor and the difference between the bullies and the bullied became apparent to Charles. Like, and he's, so he's thinking in his mind, like, hey, the bullies come out on top. Right. And so he, he obsessed over this day after day and eventually his thoughts became more nihilistic and he began to think like life is meaningless so why have morals or ethics or any kind of values Hmm. and his motto i guess this is what he said dead people are all on the same level jesus so what a motto it's getting dark yeah things are getting really dark the further into apathy he fell the more he became unhinged naturally because you just quit caring yeah you just quit caring you're just completely apathetic to everything and that completely changes your perspective on very basic things like the difference between right and wrong you know you can justify if you think about it you can justify pretty much anything if you're completely apathetic yeah so he was basically a loose cannon waiting to explode. And on November 30th, 1957, he finally did. All he wanted to do, according to him, was buy a stuffed toy dog for Carol. But the Lincoln service station attendant refused to make the sale on credit. Evidently, you could buy stuffed dog toys at gas stations. <laughs> so Char- so this, this service station worker refused to make the sale on credit, probably because he's like, dude, you never pay for anything. Also, like, no, like... It's a fucking stuffed animal, you yeah. weirdo. Yeah. No, I'm not giving this to you on credit. Yeah, evidently he wasn't making uh, stuffed dog toy kind of money <laughs> at the trash collecting <laughs> establishment. So uh, Charles stormed out furious, only to return at three in the morning on December 1st, 1957. So a day later, armed with a 12 gauge shotgun. Oh my God. Yeah. No, I mean, that is an escalation. Natural, natural progression, right? Like, <laughs> That's no, a little bit of an escalation. No, you can't charge this on credit. Okay, I'm going to fucking shoot you. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Leaving the gun in the car, he entered the station to make sure it was the same attendant because, you know, he's got that. a grudge. At yeah. least there's that. I mean. He wasn't just going to go willy-nilly killing any attendant. He's consistent. Yeah. <laughs> he's dedicated. The attendant's name was Robert Colbert, who, again, refused to sell the toy dog. So he was like, I'm going to try this one more time. And uh, so uh, Robert Colbert, the, the attendant, refused him again. And, and so Charles bought a pack of cigarettes, left, and drove down the road. Then he returned. <laughs> this is so yeah. weird. You can tell he's just like mulling things over right. his brain. Mm. Then he returned to buy a pack of gum, repeating the same odd series of steps, getting in his car and driving away. So he's oh, like, oh, God. He's... I think he's like working up the courage. Sure. Coming a little unhinged. Um, yeah. When he returned for the third time, Colbert didn't recognize him. 
because he had put on a red bandana, a hat, and carried a canvas bag in one hand. The other hand was holding a 12-gauge. He didn't buy anything during this visit. At gunpoint, he took $100 and the attendant back to his car that was now parked a few miles down the road from the station. And he ordered the attendant into the car and drove to a remote location. Recognizing what was possibly his last moment of opportunity, Colbert attempted to wrestle the gun from Charles. Okay. When the two men exited the car. So he was like, oh shit, I know what's going to happen. Like this dude is crazy. Right. And he just wanted his fucking stuffed animal. Yeah. He's like, I should have sold, sold it that damn dog. <laughs> no, we're dying over money. Right. Um, the gun went off in the scuffle, sending a bullet straight into Colbert's kneecap. Which, oh, oh God. Yeah. Oh, we both have knee problems. Oh, so can you imagine oh, how painful that is? So Charles mercilessly finished off the job, shooting the wounded attendant in the head before driving off. Jesus. So that was enough to just set off this whole series of events. Okay. So they never figured out who did it. So the first one was what date? It was December or something. December 1st. Okay. On January 21st, 1958, when he uh, arrived at Carol's home, he discovered that she wasn't inside. So instead... Her mother and stepfather, Velda and Mary and Bartlett, were home with Carol's two-year-old stepsister, Betty Jean. Like Charles' parents, uh, Carol's mother and father didn't approve of the relationship, and they believed that it was ill-fated. Yeah. Like, what? I feel like, I don't know. My parents scared the shit out of me. So if they told me, you cannot date this guy, I would be like, okay, I can't. Like, Yeah, but you know, like, there's something like... Ooh. So romantic about like seeing somebody that you can't or you shouldn't, oh, you know, like exactly solicit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and because they didn't approve of the relationship, Marion told Charles to stay away from from Carol, and of course, Charles didn't like that, so right. they argued. Charles returned to his car, retrieved his shotgun. No. Yep, and walked up the steps to the Fugit home. When Marion opened the door, he shot him point blank, <gasps> point blank. Oh my god! Before entering the home. And then uh, he went into the home, shooting Carol's mother, Velda. And this is the, this is the toughest part. Uh, and finally strangling and fatally stabbing two-year-old Betty. <laughs> so he's the full Monty now. Like, he's the full crazy fucking Monty. He is... And this was because they just didn't want him to see the yeah. 13-year-old girl. Yeah. I mean, you hear about that all the time. Like, girlfriends putting their boyfriends up to killing their family. Like, or... You know, boyfriends just doing it because they aren't allowed to see the girl. They aren't allowed to see the girl and they think the girl, you know, wants them to do it. Or in some cases, the girl breaks up with them and the, the boy is so mad. He's like, it's her fucking family. Right. You hear about it all oh, the time. Absolutely. absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, but, but a two. A fucking two year old. A fucking a two year old. A two year old. And the way he did it is just fucked up. He couldn't have. I mean, that's just so despicable. Yeah. But again. At this, by this point, he's completely apathetic. I just um, can't. He went from a gas station attendant, which, and he had to work himself up to it, like go back the yeah. next day, go back two or three times. But it's like once he got a taste for it, he was like, ah. I mean, and he could be obviously something's mentally wrong. Just that rage switch, yeah, just goes off, and he's like, I'm gonna go get my gun, methodically come back and pick them off one by one, God. yeah. So what a fucking monster. Then after he killed her family, he waited for her to get home. So Carol returned home not long after to uh, see her whole family. To a fucking bloodbath. Yeah, to a bloodbath. To a bloodbath. Um, And her boyfriend sitting calmly in her living room. Evidently, 
So there's two stories. Okay. He says, Charles says that Carol was not terrified. Um, and that after he confessed his actions to her, she agreed to help him hide the bodies. Oh my God. And they attempted, according to Charles, they attempted to stuff Velda's body down the outhouse toilet be- oh. behind the Fugit home. Betty Jean ended up in the outhouse as well, concealed in a box. Marion was dumped on the dirt floor of the family's chicken coop. So the little girl was shoved down an outhouse, like literally is, where people shit. That is the fucking grossest thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you that Keith, when he was working for the BLM in my hometown before I met him, he was in the paper because he had to go to a BLM rest stop and pull a deer out of the toilet. Did tell me that. Yeah. And they called him, they got his name wrong in the paper. Like it shows this, this poor deer, this dead deer hanging by a tow chain on a tow truck and Keith standing next to it. And it says, Keith Kronz, BLM employee. <laughs> like, Did you save it? Did you save it? No. Oh, my God. I thought I could find it, though. Oh, yeah. Some kind of archive. You should. I would love to yeah. see that. Yeah. Keith Kronz. So, evidently, you could fit anything yeah. in the toilet. <laughs> should you put your mind to it. Yeah. And then the father, Marion, um, like I said, was dumped in the chicken coop. So, I, did they think that they were never going to be found? Like, it's just, Yeah. Carol's story, after they were arrested, she said, um, after dating Stark Weather for several months, she had broken up with him on Sunday, January 19th. And she also claimed that on January 21st, when she got home from school, the house was empty except for Charles, who said that her family was being held captive and would be killed if she didn't cooperate. But by that time, her family was probably already dead and their their bodies were already stowed in outbuildings on the property. So... So she claims that she didn't come home to a bloodbath, that she instead came home to an empty house. And yeah. he was like, oh, they're captive. Yes, yeah. you do it. Interesting. Okay. So he said, she said. Right. I don't know. For six days after the murders, Charles and Carol stayed in the home. Um, the home was covered with blood. A sign was taped to the front door that read, I'm going to read this like it's like it was written. Stay away. Every body is sick with the flu <laughs> with an E on the end of flu Velda Bartlett, which was her mother. So hoping to ward, and they were hoping to ward off any visitors, I guess. Like what so. idiots. Yeah. So yeah, not, not a think tank here. Like we're not talking <laughs> men's quality like this. Oh God. So uh, though many suspicious well-wishers visited the home over the week, including Marion's boss and Carol's brother-in-law Carol continued to make up an excuse each time why they couldn't enter. Uh, once she told her brother-in-law that he couldn't come in because her mother's life was at stake. Like, like well, that, and the but. fact that, so she told her, in the, it was her, what? Brother-in-law. brother-in-law. Yeah. Like, stay away, my mother's in danger. Like, so her she, life's at stake, is okay. what she was saying. Like, What did the brother-in-law do with that information? Well, he went straight to the police. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you become, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, he'd just be like, oh, Yeah, thanks for telling me. Mental note. Okay. However, uh, when the authorities showed up, Carol seemed clear-headed and calm, leading them to believe that nothing was out of order at the house. (gasps) Oh, my God. Uh, Then, when Carol's grandmother, so nothing came from that, when when Carol's grandmother showed up and was refused entry, the police were summoned again, only to report they didn't have a search warrant. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Nothing they saw from the outside of the home. 
made them think that they needed one. But Carol's brother-in-law again, he was not satisfied with them just looking through the windows. Yeah. He's just looking through the windows. And he decided to search the premises. The house was empty. The outhouse was not. And that's where they put him. So, so he, he, he found the bodies. Oh my God. Yeah. That got the police's attention. So uh, yeah, a bulletin was immediately released. So the house was empty. So the kids, yeah, so they so left Carol and what's his, and they left. Yeah. Mad dog are gone. Yeah. <laughs> they were gone. The two had skipped town, but you know, they like true, dumb, true yeah. dumb criminals. They didn't lay low. Uh, Charles was unfazed by the murders he committed. And each time he killed, he'd gotten what he wanted, which was money and a girl. Oh, yeah. God. So Carol, for her part, she would never admit why she went along with it. But Charles treated her like a princess, showering her with gifts and love and affection. And she was 13. I mean, you hear it all the time. She she was brainwashed. You also, your your brain can't comprehend permanency at that age. That's why you feel like. And consequences. Yeah. That's why you feel like when you're being bullied or when when you feel like the emotions of, of your, you know, teenage years of like that world is ending. I've nowhere, like this is going to, it's yeah. going to feel like this forever. Like you don't realize like, no, it won't. And at the same point in time, yeah. you don't realize like things that do happen, like could be forever. And it's interesting that you should mention that because I actually did some research on the uh, Stanford's uh, children's hospital website. Yeah. And I was looking for, something on cognitive development. Sure. Like, so what do they say? What have they found is when adolescence, early adolescence begins, what are, what are the decision-making skills sure. at what ages? And well, cognitive development, as you know, means the growth of a child's ability to think and reason, but children ages six to 12 years old develop the ability to think in concrete ways. And ages 12 to 18 is what's called adolescence. Okay. So they have the ability to do abstract thinking. They uh, reason from known principles. That means forming new ideas. They consider many points of view, including right and wrong. Sure. Um, And they think about the process of thinking. So it means being aware of the act of thought processes. Got it. From ages 12 to 18, children grow in the way they think. Each child moves ahead at their own rate in their ability to think in more complex ways. Each child develops their own view of the world. When emotional issues come up, they can cause problems with a child's ability to think in complex ways. So that's ages 12 to 18. He was 19. Mm-hmm. And considering he seemed a little delayed. Yeah. And Carol is 13. Right. So they're both like gasoline and fire. Right. And this is for Carol, a child in early adolescence, which she would have been, begins to question authority and society standards. Like she could have been a little rebellious. Yeah. And begins to form and speak and uh, speak his or her own thoughts and views on many topics. So what it comes down to, in my opinion, is they knew right from wrong. Yeah. They were both raised oh, oh, for sure. correctly. I mean, you, know, you know right from wrong very early. I think it's like you can, a child can testify in front of court if they know the difference between right and wrong. And I think for the most part, it's like five, six is, is yeah. the age where kids know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Well, so if you these look people at, knew what was right and what was wrong. Obviously, it's just like, do they understand the permanence of it? Or did they no, understand? No, no. And, and they say, like, you don't, they didn't have... They didn't hadn't developed neither one of them basic decision making skills. Right. They couldn't. And you look at Mary Bell, who was like one of the oh, youngest. Oh God, that 
I've actually got her doing that case. Yeah. It's fucked up. I can't. Yeah, it is. It is. But she totally didn't, you know, she didn't register consequences at all. Oh my God, no. So I'm sure these guys, I cannot say, I cannot honestly say either way, uh, because I could not find anything on Carol's upbringing or her personality really at all uh, before she met Charles. I cannot say if it was like a uh, Patty Hearst situation. Sure where, you know, she got kind of a Stockholm syndrome or at the very least this high, uh, like you said, off of doing something that was, you know, gauche or rebellious. Right. Or if she was truly, if she truly enjoyed it. Right. If she was a psycho also. Right. I, I can't, I can't tell. So the couple realized they didn't have a plan or they didn't have a car. So they headed for an old family friend of the Starkweather's. Uh, 72-year-old August Meyer. Jesus Christ. This guy was, he was a kindly old farmer and he would have taken both of them in, but he never got the chance. After Charles' car got stuck in the muddy driveway, August came out to see what the commotion was and uh, Charles immediately shot him. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And he then lifted his lifeless body onto his shoulder and carried it to one of the farm's outbuildings where he covered it with a blanket. So meanwhile, this is the part that gets me. Carol just went inside uh, the farmer's house and to find something to eat. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she may have not had a part in killing her family, but she was absolutely an accessory after the fact. And she was just like buying into his, whatever he was feeding her. Yeah. I completely agree. So Charles joined her, but not before looting the house, stealing all of August's money and guns. The two stayed the night at this guy's house. And then something spooked Charles. And when Charles checked the body the following day, he was spooked because the blanket was missing. So I, I think mean, that's that a weird detail. Spooky. That is spook, yeah. spooky. It's a weird detail. It could be an animal. Yeah, I'm sure it was an animal. I mean, if a raccoon came up and strip an entire pear tree, <laughs> they can take a blanket. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, like it was a decomposing body. There's probably some smells and stuff on them. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. He was, he was spooked though. So fearing discovery, they set out on the road again. This time they didn't have a car. So the Wait, old- so didn't they go to the old man's house to rob him from- like get a car from him? The old Ford that they were taking, they were stealing while when the farmer came out. It got stuck in the it mud. It stuck in the mud. So the pair decided to hitchhike. God. So, so it was all for nothing. Like they didn't get anything out of that. No, they didn't. They got money. So far in his mind, Charles is getting what he wants every single time. Right. Because he doesn't care. Remember, he doesn't care. Dead people are all treated the same. So... That's what he said. Unfortunately for 17-year-old Robert Jensen and 16-year-old Carol King, they came upon them first. Oh, my hitchhiking. God. So a young couple, I mean, without the, the obvious differences, like kind just, of just like them. Yeah, just like, a young couple. But as soon as the car pulled off the side of the road, Charles brought a shotgun to Robert's neck. He demanded money and instructed him to drive back to August Meyer's farm. Why? Oh, to kill them here. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Carol sat in the new, st- in the now stolen car while Charles led Robert and his girlfriend to a storm cellar. Oh. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? God. Oh. He sh- you know what's coming. Right. So he shot Robert six times before shooting the young girl once. After the shooting, he mutilated her body, stabbing her in the chest and pubic area after allegedly an unsuccessful rape attempt. He's God. At this point, he has devolved into a degenerate and yeah. what is he what is he 
He's not, he's thinking about his his own impulses. He's <sighs> like at that point, you have to believe that he is only thinking what what can I get? Like what can I get next? What can I do? Like he's only thinking about his own bloodlust at that point. He left her corpse half naked beside Roberts in the storm cellar. And the bodies were lying only yards from the deceased property owner hidden in the outbuilding. God. So Charles drove off in his newly acquired coupe that the couple was driving. Before turning in for the night, Charles and Carol decided to drive by her home to see if any discoveries had been made. So the fugue at home was a hive of police activity. Just hours later, someone would report Charles's car in the driveway of August Meyer's house to which police would arrive and find three more bodies. So it sounds to me like the police are just like six steps behind them. Like, right. Like, they're literally driving past the house. Isn't it kind of telling that according, and I don't know if it was according to Carol or to Charles, isn't it kind of telling that Carol wanted to drive by her house? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like the only reason I can think of that's like an innocent reason would be like, maybe if the cops are there, like I can, I can jump out or, you know, something yeah. like that. But, but no, it seems like she wanted to, because she was a creep. Kind of gruesome. Yeah. Right. right. Like, yeah. Kind of voyeuristic. So, so the police have found the bodies out yeah, of the right. farm of the farmer and the young couple and Carol and Charles are on to their next murder. So the the sun rose on. Sorry, hold on. How did the how did the cops find the bodies at the farm? I'm sure you said this, but I. Yeah. So, uh, someone noticed that Charles's car. So I guess this oh, is the, the sequence stuck, of events that, that Charles's car got stuck, and then he took this old this old Ford pickup of the farmers, and it also got stuck. <laughs> So it sounds like he's a really shitty driver at the very least. Yeah. Um, quit driving in the fucking mud. Yeah. How about exactly. that? Stay uh, the mud. Yeah. Stay out of the mud. Shit. <laughs> um, so, and then he took the couple's car. Got it. And managed to not get it stuck in the Got mud. Got it. So someone noticed exactly. the car that they had never seen. I'm stuck sure. In the mud there. You know, nosy, nosy old farmers. Yeah. Like, hey, wait a minute. I know that car and it's in the driveway. So, yeah. So the police are, are, you know, went out there and now they have found the bodies. Meanwhile, in an affluent part of Lincoln. So they haven't even left town. Oh my God. Yeah. What are they doing? They are fucking stupid. Oh my God. Like, let's just say. Go to like, the next neighborhood. Don't quit your day job. Yeah. Oh wait. None of you have day jobs. <laughs> You're fucking 13. Yeah. <laughs> so on a, in an affluent, affluent part of Lincoln on January 28th, one of the wealthiest residents of that part of town was C. Lauer Ward, a president of a steel company and friend to the governor. The governor. And he lived in a mansion with his wife, Clara Ward, their maid, Lillian Fensel, and their two dogs. So uh, though Charles had grown up on the other side of the tracks, they both had, Carol and Charles, uh, he knew the area well from his days of garbage collecting. Lillian Fensel stopped making breakfast for Miss Ward when she heard the doorbell ringing. She was hard of hearing. So she just, of course, in those days, just went and opened the front door. And he, she found Charles pointing a gun at her. Oh my God. This guy sucks. Yeah. So he instructed her to lock up the dogs and continue her morning routine. Careful not to disturb Mrs. Ward. So he doesn't go find Mrs. Ward. He's like, be careful. Yeah. Be quiet. Don't wake anyone up. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. So this next part will be 
will just show you just how completely sadistic he is. Uh, Clara Ward breezed into the kitchen as she did every morning. And she abruptly came to a stop when she saw Charles and his shotgun seated at the table. Can you imagine just coming downstairs for breakfast to that? To a stranger in your house with a shotgun. That's my nightmare. That's truly a nightmare. That's, I mean, that and like I've said before on this podcast, someone standing over me yeah. in the middle of the night, <laughs> which the two times it's happened, it's been my father without a shirt on <laughs> asking me where the band-aids are <laughs> because he has an ingrown toenail. Remember when they were visiting? Simple mistake. He was yeah, like, great, great. And then I was like, holy oh, Jesus Christ, shit. Dicky poo with no yeah. shirt on. Asking me, where are the band-aids? <laughs> and then the other time, is uh, it was Keith, and I punched him. So. <laughs> so Clara sees Charles and his shotgun at the table, and she calmly agrees to go along with his demands. The first of which was to make Carol some coffee, and the second was to make him some breakfast. Oh my God. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, Carol Exactly. It shows exactly how he feels about women. Yeah. Like what a monster. Yeah. Carol. Yeah. You you you. Cook me up some bacon. Exactly. Yeah. At gunpoint. God. I still would burn pancakes at gunpoint. (laughs) I I would totally, I would be like, if my life depended on me cooking something, and I'm not a terrible cook, but I don't understand the concept of an oven. <laughs> like, like if baking, if, if my life depended on me baking and you know, like Katie has seen me. R.I.P. Yeah. Katie has seen me substitute uh, margarine with olive oil. <laughs> oh my And I God. once texted her and said, Hey, can I use baking soda instead of eggs? <laughs> so that is so how my Kate's at. That's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, so I would definitely be swiftly executed yeah. if it, if, uh, if it was dependent on my baking skills. Um, Keith, bless his heart, he still oh, ate those heart. those oatmeal cookies yeah. made with olive oil. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was basically just olive oil and oats. God, and that sounds some, so nasty. And then some butterscotch chips. Oh my God. And like the baking soda was still You're in like, chunks. oh, baking is so good. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Every, every woman deserves a man like that. <laughs> so then Clara graciously made him pancakes and then waffles. Like, this guy is carbo-loading. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, she then had to sit calm and collected and listen to Charles relish in the fact that one of the city's wealthiest socialites was now waiting on him hand and foot. Yeah. <sighs> what a dick. What a monster. He is awful. So around one-ish in the afternoon, Clara asked if she could go upstairs to change her shoes, which is like Charles. And Charles, like the idiot that he is, he was like, sure. Yeah, do it. It's like, he didn't ask why. Very smart of her to think of something like that. I don't think you have to be very smart. Like, (laughs) from the sounds of it. So uh, Charles acquiesced, but became perturbed when Clara did not return quickly. He claimed he opened her bedroom door to find her armed with a 22 pistol, which she fired at him. However, the first knife wound, he had a shotgun, but the first, first knife wound to Clara's back says otherwise. Yeah. He, he stabbed her in the back. He literally did. So that. he claims he, that she shot, she at, shot him. at him and that he had no, I'm like, what she shot at you. That's how dumb he is. Like she shot at you. 
and you like ran in the room and spun her around and stabbed her in the back. Like what? How does that work? Oh it, God. Yeah. So Charles repeatedly stabbed her in the neck and chest after he stabbed her in the back. After uh, murdering her, he used the phone to call his dad. And uh, Mr. Starkweather didn't have time to ask his son where he was. So Charles told him to inform Carol's brother-in-law that he was next for interfering with their relationship. And he hung up. Then he hung up. He then moved to Clara's writing desk and penned a letter to the law only. Oh my God. <laughs> Alleged- the law. To the law. Dear law. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot to say. I don't kill him, folks. (laughs) And yeah, so he allegedly would try to justify his actions for murdering the helpless victims who sadly crossed his path. It gets even more so. Oh, God. Carol and Charles ransacked the house. They packed up food um, and loaded the ward's car in preparation for their escape. Also, you have to ask yourself, where was Carol during this whole thing in the house when he killed Clara? And she was just down in the kitchen drinking her coffee that Clara had made for her. So she wasn't in, she claims that she wasn't like in there having breakfast with them. She claims I was like, no, she was in there having breakfast with them. She and wasn't in the room. Clara he, said she had to change oh, her serious. shoes. And Charles was like, what's taking her so sure. long? And then goes, not, why does she need to change her right. shoes? And then he goes up and Cl- Carol stays downstairs. Again, It's possible that she was under his control. But when Mr. Ward returned home that evening and Carol and Charles haven't left yet, they've just packed the car with all their stuff. Charles was waiting. Uh, He wasted no time in shooting the steel baron. So he then tied the maid to the bed and stabbed her repeatedly. Oh my God. So the maid was not I was wondering about the maid. So like she was waiting there while this all was going on. Yeah, evidently. And that also is like, how is Carol going to say she wasn't involved? They're not like this one guy isn't going to keep that. I mean, maybe it's possible that he could keep them both in line, but like, it seems more likely that Carol had something to do with. And if he tied her to a bed, I don't know. That's yeah. Does it say anything about, no, it doesn't, but But he tried to rape that other young girl, the young girl. So who knows? One of Mr. Ward's business associates found all of their bodies the next day. And the, their 1959 Packard was gone from the garage. So he's like, what happened here? So now that alarm has been risen. Right. And that's also in Lincoln. Do you know that if they're like putting all these together, I'm sure sure. the governor was notified. So they're like, dude, like we got a problem. It's Bonnie and Clyde all over again. And the national guard got called in. So they were cruising the streets with Jeeps armed with mounted machine guns for two people, for two two kids, two like dumb kids. kids. And they're stupid. Like like, I just don't understand. I, it's not like it was 1920. It was 1958. Right. Like, I don't know. Parents rushed their children home, of course, from school because the city went into lockdown. Right. Which we're all familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the FBI took up an, an investigation. Aircraft was zooming overhead looking for the lovebirds. Oh, my God. And Carol and Charles, of course, fled Nebraska at that point because they're like, well, finally, it's yeah. time. It took the National right. Guard and helicopters to tip them off that. Maybe they should run. God, that's insane. Yeah, it is. The highly identifiable Black Packard was ditched for a Buick, whose owner, a traveling salesman, was fatally shot by them 
and left. Oh my God. They are just literally slaughtering people. How yeah. many people is this now? Like six, seven? Oh, more than that. Uh, so you've got her fan. So the gas her, station, her, so the gas station attendant, Colvert, her three uh, family, Velda members. and Marion and the baby and the baby, her family. So the couple, and then the couple, that so, old man and the farmer stuck. and then Clara, uh, Mr. Oh, Ward and the, and the maid. maid. That's 10. And now the traveling salesman. She's <sighs> Louisa's. So, yeah. It's 11. 11. She's Louisa. Yeah. So they shot the traveling salesman and stole his car, but Charles was unfamiliar with the car's design and it quickly ended up on the side of the highway. Jesus. Like, not only, okay, it's horrible that he's killed all these people, but also, like, the dude obviously is should not have a driver's no. license like, like he, he, you're like, killing car, people for cars that you don't even know how to drive yeah what is wrong with yeah. you yeah like in, in all reality until he went to, to wyoming from nebraska he never got very far it doesn't seem like before he drove the car into a ditch so or wrecked the car or whatever a passing motorist stopped to help the teenagers until he spotted the dead man in the front seat charles pointed the gun at the good samaritan a struggle ensued but by a stroke of luck, a passing deputy sheriff spotted the men rustling over the gun. So he didn't die. The Good Samaritan didn't die. Thank God. Now get this. So when the deputy sheriff pulled up, Carol bursts out from the car yelling, help me, he killed a man. What an actress. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know though. Right. I know. It's I don't really, know. Really, it's 50-50. Charles ran to the car of the other motorist, the Good Samaritan, and sped off. The chase that ensued involved speeds over 100 miles per hour and a flurry of bullets. Then Charles suddenly skidded to a halt in this hail of bullets. He thought he'd been shot and was bleeding to death, only to be pulled from the car and informed that he had a minor wound above his ear from shattered glass. Oh my God. And, God. and then he was under arrest. Yeah. He makes a fucking woman make him breakfast. Right. Under the threat of death in her own home and then kills her. By stabbing her in the back and then repeatedly stabbing her in the chest. Not to mention killing a two-year-old and his girlfriend's parents and then a friend of the family and, and you know, these innocent people. And he, oh I got a scratch on my ear. I think I'm going to die. <laughs> God, what an asshole. Yeah. So caught in Wyoming for the murder of the traveling salesman and wanted in Nebraska for the murders of the wards and their maid, Charles faced either the gas chamber or the electric chair. He chose the electric chair. What? Yeah. I don't know. What would you choose? I would for sure choose gas, I feel. Like, I feel like if gas, yeah. you're just going to fall asleep. My grandfather was struck by lightning, so I'm not yeah. a big fan of electricity. <laughs> I've got a yeah. version, a natural yeah. version. Yeah, I think I would choose gas, honestly, because yeah. I really love the gas at the dentist. And I think... Yeah, I mean, just pretend like you're at the dentist. <laughs> you're like, town, you know? Open wide. And then you're, <laughs> and then you're then dead. Then you're dead. Um, <laughs> So he chose the electric chair. Was he? He was extradited to Nebraska along with Carol, and they both were tried as adults. Okay. Uh, Charles did little to help his case, of course, refuting his lawyer's plea of innocence by insanity and trying to divert all the attention away from his beloved Carol. So he's like, she had nothing to do with it. And like, what a but, gentleman. But. Oh, there's a but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hell hath no fury because <laughs> he quickly changed his tune when he heard that Carol was claiming he had taken her along as a hostage. He was like, what the fuck? He's like, I can make that up, but she can. Yeah. I tried to buy her a toy dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
such a dumbass. Uh, time and time again, Charles told police that Carol did most of the killing and was the most trigger happy person he had ever met. So, <laughs> what a statement. Yeah. And this is the same guy who said that Clara Ward pulled a pistol on him. And so he had no choice but to stab her in the back. And then like, what a moron he is. He's really not bright. Uh, the jury didn't buy either of their stories. Imagine oh, that, okay. Nor the proclamations of their lawyers. On June 25th, 1959, Charles was sent to the electric chair. Carol similarly received a guilty verdict on November 28th, 1958. She was given a life sentence due to her age of, at the time, just right. 14. So she is the youngest female in U.S. history to have been tried for first degree murder. Wow. Yeah. Quite an accomplishment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who wouldn't want that on? Yeah, little, like feather uh, in my cap. Yeah. I wonder if she thought like, geez, how am I going to get a job? <laughs> yeah. so, but that's going to look real bad yeah. on my resume. So uh, Charles Starkweather is buried in Wayuka Cemetery in Lincoln alongside five of his victims. What? Yeah. There should be a law against I a think victim so and uh, the murderer being buried in the so same too. cemetery. They had no problem burying the Irish outside right just like put him in a bucket and put you know where yeah. he should go where? in the freaking outhouse, outhouse. With, yeah. where he put his yeah. like initial victim yeah throw his disgusting dirty ass in an outhouse in an outhouse and then cover it up with a dead horse a la oh my Keith god Kosh. oh, oh my god. <laughs> dead horse you're like jesus christ what is wrong with you <laughs> the horse didn't do anything wrong oh my god how about filling it up with yeah. more shit? How's yeah, that? Just like yeah. shit on top of it. Everyone can come take a dump. All the fa- victims' families come <laughs> yeah, take a dump. Yeah. Honestly, though, like they bury bodies that aren't claimed in paupers' cemeteries, and like outside New York, they they bury all the unclaimed homeless and everything on this island or whatever. So. Like, yeah. That should not be allowed. Well, because it's like when his family comes to mourn him, then the victim's families have to see them. Right. Or like, and it's just. And like their energies are right next to each other. And oh, gross. Yes, exactly. Disgusting. Like that's repulsive. It is. I I honestly, I agree with you. I think it's wrong. But uh, so Carol, she was considered to be a model prisoner and she was paroled in 1976 after serving 17 years. She lived for a time in Lansing, Michigan. Okay. um, After being paroled. Following her release, she worked as a janitorial assistant. She's since retired. Um, she's still alive. Oh, my God. In 2007, she married Frederick Clare, a machinist who also worked as a weather observer for the National Weather Service. They most recently lived in Hillsdale, Michigan. Carol was seriously injured on August 5th, 2013, in a single vehicle accident <gasps> near Tecancha, Michigan. Her husband was killed. Oh. <gasps> She does not have good luck with vehicles. God. She was denied a pardon by the Nebraska Board of Pardons in February 2020. I wonder why that was even a thing. Like people are people like, oh, she was a victim. Like is yeah. that is that the public outcry she was a victim? And yeah, not part there's of this? a whole I I looked and there's this whole website, there's a whole Facebook page dedicated to like pardoning her and how and I found a, a website or a blog that someone had written about like how. They don't buy that that she was guilty of anything, that she had been manipulated. And that that's what led me to research the psychology sure. 
of adolescence. And it's like, it's 50-50. There have been killers that age or younger who wanted to kill and who were fascinated with gruesome things. And then there there are those that had Stockholm syndrome and were victims. So it's hard to tell where, where she fell on that. Right. <clears throat> You'd think she wouldn't quit killing, but... <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think uh, maybe I'm wrong, but you feel, I feel like kids can outgrow those sorts of things. Like, especially if it wasn't like in her, it wasn't like he was clearly like made into a killer or born into a killer. I think she was more, it was a, she was a victim of circumstance. Mm -hmm. Regardless, she like, I don't think she's a totally innocent bystander by any means. I absolutely don't. There's an, a, a famous author who as a teenager with her girlfriend is guilty of murder. Wow. And she became a famous author. So interesting. Yeah. Her pardon application was actually supported by relatives of the murder victims interesting yeah. so maybe there's more to it than i'm i'm just sitting here thinking she oh. maintained her innocence in the slings and requested a pardon to alleviate the burden of being known as a convicted killer and then the movie natural born killers was yeah. based off of that. oh okay yeah. and there have been several other movies there was an episode of criminal minds that was based off of it huh in season 11 but yeah that's, that's the story insane. of Charles Starkweather and Carol Fugit. Charles Mad Dog. Mad Dog Starkweather. Wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, my mom said she remembers that. Like, growing up, that mm. was, like, a scary story they talked about all the time. Yeah, well, obviously, because they could strike anywhere. Right. But, yeah, so birthplaces of our mothers. Yeah. And so are we counting that one as, I think, probably Nebraska. Because probably Nebraska. almost all of them have yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 I still have a few that I could do for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's Nebraska for us. Another, that's Nebraska. State. Oh, well, thank you, Kate. That was. Oh, you are so welcome. That was, that was a disgusting. You're welcome. Welcome for the nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> bit of uh, information from a, for the old noggin. For the old but, noggin. Like the, the, oh, God. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to find us on Instagram. Kate will be posting all of the funny things. All and the funny. I will funnies. continue posting all of the informative things. But, all the murder. But we're uh, on Instagram at Premeditated Podcast. Tell all your friends, like, subscribe, follow, do all of that good stuff. Send us an email. We got another couple emails. Oh, this we week. did. We from got, your uncle know, my awesome uncle. Yeah, Kate's like, your uncle listens? My my sister doesn't even listen, which is fucked up. I know. Well, let me tell you, Corey, yeah. I got some words for you if you're listening, which Kate says you're not, but <laughs> Kate says you're not. No. But yes, my uncle, my uncle wrote in, uh, my dear, dear, dear friend from college, who was one of my roommates, Helen. Helen. Yes, she wrote in. So thank you guys. It really. All the way just, from London. I know all the way from London. So it means a ton that, that people are listening, that people are enjoying. We like, this has been such a, year brightener for me so i i appreciate everyone. oh this is so much fun yeah. and we, honestly i am enjoying it so much also as i mentioned before when we increase in followers my happiness increase <laughs> no i am not falling into the social media trap but i refuse to acknowledge that i have become an, an influencer enjoying- <laughs> but but Pretty soon she's gonna be she's gonna start posting about what lotions she's using. Yeah, I'm gonna the food kits that she receives. (laughs) But I can't do makeup tutorials because I have a face for radio. So (laughs) Um, we're doing this podcast, guys. Yeah, yeah. But come on, like follow us. Have your friends follow us because Josh fucking Mankiewicz commented. He does not follow us, but he 
But he thinks we're funny. But so. he, thinks, <laughs> he thinks he said good idea yeah. to I mean, me. So he, he thinks, what more do you need? What you don't, I mean, if you need more, you don't need to be yeah. listening. That's <laughs> how I feel about it. He thinks we have good ideas. ideas. <laughs> uh, so yeah, shoot us an email at uh, thepremeditatedpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, tell your folks we says hi.